certainly are honored to live in this country to have the freedom that we do. I am reminded that if you go to Washington, D.C., there's a new or fairly new World War II memorial, and there is a plaque there that says, freedom is not free. Freedom cost. It has cost families, it has cost lives, it's caused people that once were going to have a future uh, cut short because they instead gave their life so that we could do what we do to this morning. So as we go through this Memorial Day holiday, let us take some time not only in our service this morning, but as we may be going about doing the things that we do tomorrow, having a good time and enjoying this freedom that we have May we find some time to say to those who have sacrificed so much, we thank you. To their families, we thank you for the freedom that we have. Also, as we're thinking about all of this, our hearts are heavy because of what happened this past week with the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. How that weighs on our country as we shed tears for Quite simply, the evil that exists to cause someone to do something as horrendous as this. We've seen it over and over uh, because evil exists. And so I want us in a moment as we, as we say thank you to the Lord for this freedom that we have. We also pray for those who were uh, victims of the school shooting, the teachers who lost their life. But also to pray for people who have mental health issues that somehow that they will get the help that they need and God will intervene in their lives so that something like this could never happen again. I'm going to ask you to stand, please, and you join me in prayer this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We know that we have, as living in this country, a great citizenship that exists only because of people willing to lay down their lives to protect what we have. So we say thank you. Even though we don't know the names, we don't know their, their faces, we don't know the history of their families that they come from, and for years and years they have laid down their lives so that we could do just what we do this morning, gather in freedom to worship you. So we're grateful. We're grateful to those who have sacrificed 
so much for families who have sacrificed so much so that we have this freedom. And Father, we honor those who have given up their lives. But Father, we're also grateful for those who continue, who have through the years, who have chosen to, to protect us by serving in our military. So we ask your protection upon those even now as they're in places all around the world that are there to protect this freedom that we have. We're grateful for those who have given, those that have given time and are still able to walk away from uh, whatever it was that they were serving in and those that serve today. And now, Father, we pray for those families that have been touched in Uvalde, Texas, other parts, parts of our country, Buffalo, New York, and those who have lived similar situations in times past. Because when something like this happened, it brings up those, those memories, those hard times that have been experienced. Somehow, Father, I pray that you will wrap your arms around these families that are going through this right now. Not just those who have students or teachers who lost their life. But Father, we also pray for those who are trying to tend to their needs. They're trying to be there for them, for teachers and educators that, that the next day had to go in and continue to conduct school with this weighing heavy on their minds. Father, we pray your protection would be upon our schools and our students. May somehow you intervene through help so that we don't have to live this again. We know that your power is greater than any evil that could ever come upon us. And Father, I pray that you'll use times like this to teach us that there's a better way that's found in Jesus Christ to overcome the evil that we have in our own lives. Bless those people, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Please remain standing. If you're here for the very first time, we appreciate you coming to Sunset Hills this morning to worship with us. It is a special day in the life of our church that you'll see more of uh, as the service progresses this morning. And we are so glad that you made this your place to come and worship today. It will be a different kind of worship, kind of a church business sort of thing, though, that is a blessing to our church and especially to the lives of, of a, a family this morning. So we're grateful that you're here. If this is your first time, we'd love for you to let us know that you're here. If you take time to either to go in the lobby, there's uh, some uh, there are greeters out there that if you haven't already done so, we'd love to, for you just to fill out a little paperwork, maybe your name and address, to let us know that you're here so that we can communicate with you in the future. Or you can text your information to us at... Uh, uh, 615-776-1807, you see it there on the screen. Oh, by the way, be sure and text high for some reason that works, all right? Let's worship this morning, worship team.
yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. Oh, I'm trading my sorrows, and I'm trading my shame, I'm laying down for the joy. Open up my eyes in wonder 
today as we lift your name up God I just pray that you would be glorified and magnified in everything that we do and say for it's in your precious son Jesus name that we pray amen you may be seated this morning if I could take you back a few years to September 13th, 2016, it was a time when I received an email from a man who was inquiring about a position to our church of the children's pastor and that we had listed. And in this brief email that I received, Michael Harrelson introduced himself and his recent decision that he made to enter into the full-time ministry it was quite a journey that he had taken to get to that point that he'll talk about. He asked if he could pass along his resume if we were still in the search. And that would lead to several phone calls and soon we would arrange for a meeting just outside of St. Louis, Missouri on September 29th. So it doesn't take us too long to get to that point for this interview that we were about to have. It would be one of the most memorable job interviews I've ever conducted. For during that interview, not so much it was the interviewee who was 
uh, being what was making it so memorable. It was what I, the interviewer, was going through then. Through, I began to have an allergic reaction that would eventually lead Mike and Rose taking me to the hospital there in St. Louis. They stayed with me late into the evening, actually into the early morning hours, to make sure that I was okay, and then even invited me to come back to their home to stay, this total stranger that they had met just that evening. And I thought right then and there of the kindness that they had showed me that anyone who would take care of a stranger like that is exactly the kind of person that I would want to have on our church staff. And now six plus years later, over and over and over again, Mike, Rose, and Elias, Levi, and Isaac, they have blessed us. And it has, was and still remains a very wise decision of their choosing to come to Sunset Hills Baptist Church and be a part of our children's ministry, not just serving there, but our entire church family. And I think you'll agree of how God has blessed our families at Sunset Hills because of Mike's ministry. As a church... We consider it a privilege to be a part of Mike's ministry as much as he is a part of ours. And a part of this important day in your life, Mike, in that of your family, and in the life of this church. I call Sunset Hills Baptist Church to order <clears throat> for the purpose of ordaining Michael Harrelson to the gospel ministry. Now, I would like to invite... <clears throat> any man who has been ordained as a minister or a deacon to come join us here and sit on these front seats and to form the, and participate in the ordination council. So if you've been ordained in times past, please come and join us. And Bobby, would you bring me that bottle of water, please? Never seen such an ugly bunch of guys sitting so close together in my life. On September, I'm sorry, Sunday, May 22nd, the Ordination Council was formed to act upon the approved action of the church to ordain our children's pastor. And after hearing Pastor Mike's desire to be ordained, the sharing of his testimony, a time of questioning was conducted in an open forum when each member of the ordination council that gathered could ask Pastor Mike any question that they wanted to ask. Upon hearing Mike's answers to the question, the recommendation was to proceed with the ordination process, which was approved unanimously. And that brings us to today. And we wanted to give you, the church, the opportunity to hear just a few of the questions that were asked of Mike and to his, in his responses. Richard Center was chosen by the council to ask those questions to Mike. So, Richard, I invite you to come. Mike, I invite you to come up here, please, also. Make sure everybody's got microphones.
If you want to get a stool over there, we'll let you sit on that stool as Richard asks these questions to you. Don't run off out the door, Keaton. This may be the first time a sinner has ever asked questions of a pastor. <laughs> Candidate. Right. All right. Well, I was elected as chairman of the ordination committee or to ask questions. And so we asked uh, questions last Sunday night, the 22nd, uh, for about an hour of Mike, and uh, we found him to answer his questions to the best of his ability and that he presented before us. So I've brought about five of the different questions here that we ask him so people would understand the purpose and the kind of things that we do in the ordination council. So the first one is, uh, Mike, would you relate your salvation experience, including when you asked Jesus to come into your heart? Yeah, um, so when I was in third grade, I came forward at, uh, at an altar call at, at church one night. Um, I had felt the Lord talking to my heart. Uh, I knew that I was a sinner and that I needed to get right with him. And so I made that decision um, in 1985. Um, from there, um, there wasn't much fruit. As a matter of fact, there was rebellion uh, for a number of years. And uh, God's patience became evident later on. Um, he allowed things to happen in my life to get my attention. He took things away from me that I was putting before him to reveal a bitter and sinful heart. And I'm so thankful for God's discipline. Hebrews 12, 11 became one of my verses. No discipline is pleasant at the time, but produces a harvest of righteousness. And so I'm thankful for God's mercy and for his grace in my life. Um, in uh, 2009, um, I remember uh, turning over in, in bed and God had brought me to a place of godly grief, which is good, and repenting and saying, Lord, uh, I've done things my way. I'm going to do them your way now. Uh, and from there, um, uh, getting involved um, as a believer should in, in church and uh, ministry of the local church and following him. Then. Second question is the two ordinances of the Baptist Church. Yeah, so baptism, again, is a, is a picture of, of us dying to our sin and then raised to walk in the newness of life. Um, it, it is to appeal to God for a clear conscience that you want to have before him in a soft heart. So when we baptize kids here, when kids come as they have and they've uh, repented and asked Christ to be their Savior, which I, I've had uh, the privilege of being a part of some of those, um, it's a wonderful thing. It's an outward symbol of what's going on inside. And so we, when we, I tell the kids, I say, you know, this water is not some kind of magical Harry Potter water that's just going to save you. The water doesn't save you. Um, the, the saving comes from Christ and his resurrection. And then our belief and our commitment to believe that with our lives. So when we go underwater, uh, it's a symbol of us dying to our sin and then coming back and walking with our hope in Christ as he rose from the grave for us. Uh, Lord's Supper is a great thing to do as a church that we're called to do, just like baptism. Uh, it's a command of Jesus. It's, it's not optional. And, and the Lord's Supper is something that we do to look back and to look forward. The Lord's Supper, where we come together to partake in the body and the blood of Christ, to remember the incredible sacrifice that he paid for us. He paid for me.
then when we do that, then we look forward to his coming again, amen, uh, to his coming again that is soon. Uh, so those are the two ordinances that we do in the Baptist church. Maybe this is a little bit harder, but uh, would you give us your version of your call to the ministry? Yeah. Um, so I worked in children's theater for a, a long time. And as God was producing godly grief in my life, um, he started showing me uh, areas that he wanted to work on and things that I needed to hand over to him. And um, I'm thankful for uh, the church that was there around me to, to love on me through that process. And I remember going into the theater every day wanting to tell them less about improv or Shakespeare and wanting to tell them more about the only hope that we have, which is Christ. And God grew that and grew that. But uh, like Jonah, I ran. And I ran because of a bitter and stubborn heart. And the only cure for that is, is the grace of God. There's nothing else that can cure that or that can work on that. And so as he grew that desire and grew that desire, um, I had a move, I moved back to St. Louis uh, to be around my family. And then God brought along, as I told you all, this, this uh, wonderful person that was going to a Baptist church. I had stopped going to Baptist churches. I said, I'm, I'm not going to Baptist church ever again. And again, that was something that I was dealing with. And God has a sense of humor because he used my future wife to bring me back to a Baptist church. <laughs> so uh, we started going to the Baptist church there and really felt the call there and really got real with God got honest with God. And uh, uh, one night, I remember talking with, with Rose at, I think it was a subway, and saying, this is something that I know he's called me to do and I've, I've ran from, and I can't run from it anymore. So we're just going to do this on faith, and we're going to step out. About that time is when Pastor Steve talked about the email, and uh, we just asked God to confirm this, because we were struggling with some things, and it was, it was a lot of different things going on at one time. So we asked God to make it clear. And, uh, and then God did something that only God can do where he, um, we got a call that my sister was in the hospital and that um, we needed to come. Uh, later that day, my sister went home to be with the Lord where she is now. And so they live in the Franklin area that was the last confirmation that we got. We said, all right, Lord, okay. So the rest of that is, is coming down here and being a part of Sunset Hills and getting to meet everyone and being around our family down here and uh, starting our own family. And the last thing is, and probably the hardest question that's on here, especially with uh, situations in our world today, but... Uh, the greatest challenge, what is the greatest challenge in the ministry for the future? Um, I see one great challenge as being the challenge for the church to do self-examination. Uh, I can project everything out there. I can say what's wrong with the world, but I'm not called to judge the world. Uh, I can look in ministry and I can say, oh, the world is, is just horrible and we're not where we used to be. And, 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 and we can talk about that. But for each one of us as the church, we have to start with self-examination. And saying, Lord, am I, is there something I'm not seeing in my life that you want to show me so you can use me and I can be a clean vessel? You know, we can't, I, I can't, um, I can't do what only God can do. And so there are many things wrong. We're not the country and the world we used to be. Yes, and it's sad. And we should, our hearts should be broken over that. But as the church, we need to look at self-examination and say, Lord, 
what's going on with me? How am I messed up? Because we all are. <laughs> we all have to do some, uh, some self-examination. And so I, I, I see that as a great uh, opportunity for ministry to, to challenge us to, to look to ourselves so that then we can be used as clean vessels uh, for the Lord. And, and to not gloss over that, the issue of suffering. Uh, not so much uh, of physical suffering, because we all have a degree of that, but of am I willing to do whatever God says? Am I willing to step out on faith? Am I willing to be ostracized for what I believe? Um, and not out of, you know, anger, but out of, I trust you totally. And I want you to be glorified, not me. Okay, that's uh, basically all the questions are an example of the questions that we asked last uh, Sunday night. So, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Mike. Hearing of Mike's testimony and the answers to the questions that were asked this morning and asked by the council last Sunday evening, is there a recommendation to the church that we approve the ordination of Michael Harrelson by our church, Sunset Hills Baptist Church, to the gospel ministry? Hearing a motion from the ordination council that we approve, ordination council, if you vote in the favor of this, would you say aye? Any opposition to that? It's a good thing because we were ready to take you out and blow your nose. <laughs> That's the case. So, church, you have heard the recommendation from the ordaining council to ordain Pastor Mike to the gospel ministry. Since it comes as a recommendation from the ordination council, it does not need a second. It just requires a vote. If you vote in favor of ordaining Pastor Mike to the gospel ministry, would you say aye? aye? Any opposition to that? Hearing none also, we proceed with the ordination service. As we continue with this, it is customary to, to choose someone to give a charge to the candidate, and this is often given to the candidate himself uh, to make that choice. And Mike... What a blessing it is that he has chosen his dad, his, uh, his, a longtime pastor, Pastor Gary, to, to give the charge to, to Mike. I can't think of a greater privilege for a dad to be able to do this for his son and for his son to hear an ordination message than coming from his dad. So, Pastor Gary, would you come, please, and bless us with a word from God. Would you welcome Gary Harrelson to our church this morning? Two things. When I come to this Sunset Hills Church, first off is your restroom, your men's restroom. It's wonderful. <laughs> Everything you would need in life is right there and I'm happy sometimes I take my Bible in there and I intend to stay for a few minutes so it's a great place uh, to study and read the Bible that's in my office you understand so uh, second thing is a triad of stairs here some churches have so many and I'm not going to tell you how old I am uh, but to a 71 year old person Three is, is accomplished. It's a, it, I can do that. I can do three. 
So I want to say it is, Margaret and I's, our joy to be here today. I want to thank Brother Steve, and how about that Brother Steve, back on the road again. I'm telling you, uh, just love you, Steve, and uh, in the Lord, and I appreciate your ministry. And I um, want to uh, give a thanks to Brother Rusty Sumrall, um, the director of missions here. I want to thank the staff, the ordination council, and to all the church here at Sunset Hills for all your kindnesses and your special attention to this important matter. Now, this is also a very special time in my life, and at the risk of inserting too much of myself in this message, I want to share just a quick word about my recent medical experience that I think will prove a, a good lead-in to the message today. I went to the emergency room in St. Peter's, Missouri a few weeks ago, and the doctors determined that I had stones. How many of you know about stones inside your bodies? A few. Kidney stones. Now, I've already thought of all the funny lines that could be said, like, Gary, I just want to encourage you, uh, healing is just a stone's throw away. And Gary, have you ever toured with the stones? Or Gary, have you ever been to Stonehenge, England? Well, you're going there now. Of course, all these observations brought some healing value by a laugh or two, but they never brought any lasting, durable comfort. Healing to my body never came until I went to my doctor, and with God's supervision, he just jettisoned or lightsabered my stones into the dark side of the universe. But you see, healing to my spirit never came until I began to meditate on the stones, not the kidney stones, but the stones of the Bible. There are so many references to stones in the Bible, both bad and good. I, I want to share three bad ones. There's several more. First of all, the idol stones. There are numerous biblical accounts of Old Testament Israel worshiping idols made with men's hands carved out of stone and wood. And you know Israel didn't seem to drop all the idols made with their hands until after the Babylonian captivity. In fact, God pulled this good out of the captivity. So we can see that God pulls good even out of bad situations for his people. Hallelujah. There's a second negative or bad reference to stones in the Bible. The shiny stones. The shiny stones. In Ezekiel chapter 28, we have the appearance of shiny stones or multiple precious stones. But look, they lost their beauty and luster in the light of the pomp and circumstance of the self-elevating of the king of Tyre. In Ezekiel 28, the king of Tyre self-elevated himself until his heart became full of pride. This is the exact situation of another created being of God and his name was and still is today. Lucifer, created as the highest order of angels with a God-given purpose, Lucifer lost this God-given purpose because he allowed his heart to be lifted up with pride. His heart grew stony. Listen to what the Lord God said about Lucifer. In Ezekiel chapter 28, beginning in verse 13, you were in Eden, the garden of God, 
Every kind of precious stone adorned you, ruby, topaz, diamond, barrel, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald. Your mountings and settings were crafted in not gold overlay or gold covering, but gold itself. Prepared on the day of your creation, you were anointed as my guardian cherub, for I had ordained you. You were on the holy mountain of God and you walked among the other fiery stones. From the day you were created, you were blameless in your ways until wickedness was found in you. Isn't that the, what evil does when we choose darkness? Evil darkens our spirits and plagues our souls. It causes physical and mental pain, even pain we can't forecast or see ahead of time. Ultimately, it kills our bodies. But don't fret. Jesus has overcome death and has won the victory over death. It's called resurrection, and we Baptists say bodily resurrection. See, we don't, we don't want to be in eternity looming around as ghosts. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, proclaiming, thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, death has no hold on the blood-bought ones. The third stones, the garden stones, described in Mark chapter 4, verses 3 through 9. Mark 4, chapters, uh, verses 3 through 9. Jesus said, Listen up. That's what Jesus said. I'm not saying listen up to you. Jesus said, listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on, here it is, rocky ground, the garden stones, where it didn't have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root just withered away. Now the garden stones indicate that some wanted to receive Christ only for personal gain. It was a freebie with no cost, no persecution, no selfless service, and no giving of any of self. Fair weather professors they could be called. They would not have received 2 Timothy 3.12 that says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We don't have anyone like that today, do we? Ones who only receive Christ for personal profit or prosperity. You see, these stones under the topsoil represent stony hearts. The stones, not of the kidney, but the heart, rock hard. How in the world does a heart get that way? Let me give you a biblical example. How about the Egyptian Pharaoh? Through Moses, God continually brought Pharaoh to times of decision. Times that Pharaoh just had to make decisions. And the more Pharaoh refused the word of God to let God's people go, the more stony his heart became. So God caused a series of decisions to come at Pharaoh, knowing that every stubborn, God-resistant decision of Pharaoh brought a deeper resistance to God's ways and will. 
So it could be well said that God hardened Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh hardened his own heart by his resistance to God's directions. Can this happen in the world today when people resist God's word? Look around the world today. Do you see any whose heart is stony and resists God's ways with the resultant evil of diminishing the value of life? You see, God will never abandon his children in our illnesses or fears. The psalmist in Psalms 23 said, even though I go through the valley, the valley of the shadow of death, I will say it, church, fear no evil. You can take that with you forever. God wants us to be first responders. He wants us to come to him first and foremost with our earthly experiences, not as a last-ditch effort. I wonder how God feels when professed believers say, all we can do is pray. Have you ever heard that? Now, I know what some of them may mean. I'm not going to judge that. I'm going to say, but there may be a better way to show faith. Perhaps in showing more trust, we could say, hey, we can pray right now. And a first response would be, oh, this terrible thing happened. Let's pray. Our loving God reminded me of his promises about my ultimate good. And he called me to trust him through all my stony state, with all my stones. And it was there that I found my rest for my spirit. Because of God's commitment to me. Not my commitment to God, because of God's commitment to me or that I prayed a correct prayer, or my performance was up to par, so God says, now I'll kick in the power for you, Gary. It was God who initiated everything. That's the kind of God we serve. Let me share an example of what I'm saying. Romans 8, 26 through 31. Compare now as I read God's capacity with ours. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Have you ever been so troubled that you went to God in prayer and you say, you just couldn't get it out because you didn't even know what to ask for? It's those troubling times that the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, makes utterances and God father hears oh that's that's good that's good that's cool and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are the called according to his purpose what shall we say then about such wonderful things as as these since God is for us who really can be against us can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or, persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. Don't you feel like saying, you know, victory in Jesus, our Savior forever. He sought me and bought me own blood aren't you glad for God's commitment to us second of all 
There are many references to good stones in the Bible. The living stone in the living stones, 1 Peter 2, and coming to him as to a living stone, Jesus, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You see, Jesus is not a dead stone carved out of stone made with men's hand, but he's alive. He's the living stone, and there is no other. And then drop down to verse 5. You also, Christians, you know the very word Christian means Christ-like. So here we have living stones looking like the big stone. You're being built into a spiritual house. You are, continuing tenses indicate, being built into a continual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. This speaks of the process of sanctification, taking Christians and setting them apart from all the world and their goings on. And this is Jesus Christ goings on through his church. We're being taught lifestyle changes such as die to self, to walk humbly, to do justice, and to obey his word. In Romans chapter 12, we read, I therefore urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, not dead ones, but lively ones, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind every day. You get up and say, Lord, more evil today. I need thee every hour. Thank you for going alongside of me. In fact, the parakletos of God is there with us. The word parakletos means one who goes alongside of you. The cornerstone, number two. 1 Peter 2, 6 and 8. See, I lay a stone in Zion, chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Now, in relation to architecture, a cornerstone is traditionally the first stone laid for a new structure with all other stones laid in reference to that cornerstone. A cornerstone marks the geographical location by orienting a building in a specific direction. So as the cornerstone, the Lord Jesus gives us direction. Jesus is the first and only stone who gives free access to holy God, thereby giving God's direction for sinful man to be made right with holy God. But for those who disbelieve, Jesus is a stone that causes people to stumble. If he's the Messiah, let him come down from that cross. You see, Jesus didn't fit their expectation of who Jesus should be. And so they rejected him. They stumbled. Thirdly, there is a stone called the rock. I like this one, the rock. I'm sort of shaped like a rock. I'm big. But there's no comparison here. And it's not Dwayne Johnson of the WWE, but the rock of ages stone. In Psalms 18, verse 31, we read, For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except the Lord? 
Psalms 18, 2. The Lord is my rock, the psalmist testified, my fortress, my deliverer. It, it sort of feels like the Lord's been alongside of him, doesn't it? And my God is my rock in whom I take refuge. See if you recognize this him. The Lord's our rock in him we hide, a shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever ill betide, a shelter in the time of storm. Jesus is the rock in a weary land. And how about he hides my soul, here it is, in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hides my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand. So where do we find this cleft of the rock passage in Exodus 33? And the Lord said to Moses, sometimes when I read a passage and God is talking, I just want to say something like, and what he said to Moses was this. I sort of sometimes feel like God's voice shook the mountains. His presence caused smoke and thunder. Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. God is saying this to Moses. He said, there's a place by me. You can stand on the rock. And while my glory passes, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and I'll cover you there with my hand until I pass by. Then I'll take away my hand. You'll see my back, but not my face. The Lord God hides us from eternal condemnation by hiding us in Jesus, our cleft of the rock, our place of safety. Just as the believers were gathered together in the places of safety, as the death angel passed over them, so our God passes over condemnation because we've accepted his chosen and precious sacrifice, Jesus. John 1 says, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is God himself, is at the Father's side, has made God known. Philip said, Jesus, just show us the Father, and that'll be enough. And Jesus said to Philip, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and still you do not know me? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? And now, Mike, I feel like bringing you up here and facing you, Mike. And, but your early childhood days are over. <laughs> Number one, seven biblical truths and teachings, and I'll go through them very quickly. Number one, the first S is steep the church in remembrance, Mike. First Timothy 4, 6 says, if, if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Now what things are these? In other words, point out or remind the church of the words of God that engender trust and point out or remind the church of good, the good teachings of faith. And in doing that, Paul said to Timothy, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And I like how the New Testament renders 2 Timothy 2.15. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Keep on reminding God's people of the truths of the faith and keep on reminding God's people of the importance of good teaching. Number two. Stay in the vine. 
Because Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Abide in me, he says, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. How do you do that? Well, I'll repeat what you already know, Mike. You cannot do anything spiritually successful without a periodic perus, perus through the pages of God's word. A meditation on those words and a result of time talking and listening to God. Sometimes we call these times um, personal devotions. Number three, surrender yourself. Surrender yourself like the... Become a living sacrifice, not a dead one, so that the world may see Christ in you, the expectation of glory. Paul said, I die daily. John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. In other words, that others may see Christ, I must glorify him and not myself. Number four, son, speak to the church. Speak to the church, the fourth S. In Ephesians 5, 19, it says, Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, saying and make music to your heart to the Lord. Let us think of ways in Hebrews 10 to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect the meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing nigh. And Mike, let the church see you singing hymns and singing songs one of the great blessings I have is entering a church and seeing two over here or three over here or five over there praying coming to the altar and praying kneeling down on these steps number five submit Mike to obedience now when Mike was a young boy he often was challenged to obey his parents my wife, Margaret, would often ask our sons, both Tim and Mike, now who's the mommy and who's the son? And Tim and Mike were truly challenged to obey, and sometimes it wasn't very pretty. But Mike and Tim both learned that from the beginning that obedience was necessary. In our Daily Bread, there's a funny article that says, every conscientious parent recognized how difficult it is to exercise his or her God-given authority over their children. The delicate balance of being tough yet tender is not easy to maintain. Many parents intensify a rebellious spirit by being dictatorial and harsh. However, others yield when their authority is tested. When a strong-willed child resists, the pressure to give in for the sake of peace and harmony can become overpowering. I'm reminded of the parent who wanted to have the last word but couldn't handle the hassle that resulted whenever she said no to her son. After an especially trying day, she finally flung up her hands and said, all right, Billy, do whatever you want. Now let me see you obey that. Oh, let me see you disobey that from the daily bread Jesus directed church go make disciples baptize them in the name of the Father Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them what to obey there was once a dad he had two sons dad went to his first son and said boy go out to the field and work today and the first boy answered Yes, Dad, I'll go, I'll work. But he didn't go. 
and he didn't work. So the father went to the second son and said, likewise, boy, go out to the field and work today. And boy got mad. He complained, he kicked the dust. Nevertheless, he went out and he worked. Which of the two did the father's will? Number six, secure the church's purpose. Now, Mike, there may be a time that a concerted effort tries to bring into the church Martha Ray's second cousin who tap dances a 30-minute devotional in Morse code. Now, you just got to resist such things and ask, how does this relate to our purpose? Periodically, we need to be reminded, go, make followers, baptize them, and teach them to obey. Central. And in trying to pinpoint the church's purpose, it's been well said that the Lord desires to use the whole church to take the whole gospel into the whole world. It's been observed by many theologians that God himself gave himself to save us from himself. God himself gave himself to save us from himself. Now everything, son, I've said so far has built up into this joyous crescendo in the final hallelujah chorus. Here it is, son. Shout out. Now I'll say it again. Shout out our resurrection victory. Always remind the church of Jesus' victory over death because there are Christians, believers who are dying every day in this world. Shout it out from the rooftops. John 11, verses 23 through 26, Jesus told Martha, Martha, chill out. Well, he didn't say that. Your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, I know he'll rise at that great day down there in the by and by. And Jesus looked at her with his piercing eyes and said, Martha, I am. I am resurrection and I am life. Right now, always was. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. And he turns to Martha, stares her down, says, do you believe that? Uh, uh, believe. Do you rely on that? Do you count on that? And will you face your dying day with that? Here it is, son. A shout out of resurrection, salvation. It produces a no-holds-death. We can taunt death because Jesus has won the victory over death. Oh, death, where is your sting and where is your victory? Jesus took the sting out of death that believers may live with holy God forever. This is why it's so precious. Oh, son, life is short. We all need to be saved from the penalty of our sinfulness. And we all need a new body. Peter said... All people are like grass and all their glories like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fail, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Shout it out, Mike, on the mountaintops. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. And Mook, 
If you instruct the brethren in these things, the truths of the faith and the good teachings of the faith, many more than was presented here, you'll be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. God bless you, son. We love you. And most importantly, God loves you. Thank you, Gary. Longtime friend to our church and the executive director of the National Baptist Association will come and give the charge to the church. Rusty, please come. Congregation, we're here today on a very special day and it's the ordination of Mike, but I wanna remind you as a fellow who works with 180 Southern Baptist churches, here in Middle Tennessee, don't ever forget that you have a wonderful staff here at this church. And you're really blessed from the, from the pastor all the way down to all the staff. You are blessed to have such a wonderful staff. And I just want to encourage you, don't forget that. And uh, as the uh, Mike, let me just say, Becky and I are really honored to be here today. And uh, thank you so much for asking me to be a part of the service. Uh, you know, the Bible tells the minister what he's supposed to do and how he's supposed to act, but I found at least two places in the scripture where it tells the church how the church should treat the, uh, the minister. And I'm just gonna hit a few highlights on these two places. One is over in Matthew, and Matthew, you remember Jesus is bringing his disciples together and he's, telling, he's about ready to send them out and he's giving them all kind of instructions. He's telling them where to go, uh, what to take with them, and then what to expect. And then over in Matthew chapter 10, verse 41, Jesus says to them, he that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. So congregation, one of the things that the church is supposed to do is to receive the prophet. And we're gonna talk a little bit about what that means in just a second. Another scripture that I'd like for us to look at today is um, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 through uh, verse 20. It says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain any accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. Those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that the others will take warning. Let me just share just a few thoughts, congregation, about how a congregation should treat their ministers. Well, first of all, you need to provide for them. Uh, in the Bible, when it talks about providing for them, it literally meant, you know, you ask the preacher to come over and spend the night at your house. You're gonna feed him. You're gonna give him a little grain to make it till he makes it over to the next place. But uh, goodness knows, we've, we've progressed a little bit since then, hadn't we? Uh, hmm. You know, you're responsible for trying to provide a livable salary and that they can meet the needs that they have for them and their family. Uh, I have many opportunities work, to work with church pastor search committees. And one of the things that I always encourage them to do 
is to go to the Tennessee Baptist website and look on there and look at the salary compensation chart. There's a chart there that shows what ministers make all across the state of Tennessee. And it's got low end, middle, middle range, and upper range. Congregation, I wanna encourage you to look at that chart and say, we're gonna be on the upper range. You know, we're not gonna be uh, down here like the lower range, but we're gonna be at that point where we're taking care of our ministers at the higher range of what other churches in the state of Tennessee are doing. And let me encourage you to, to um, provide them hospitality by taking care of their physical needs through the, providing the financial needs that they need. Another thing the scripture tells us that we need to do for, the, for those who are our leaders and for those who are our ministers, the scripture says that we are to respect them and value them. Respect them and value them. Value them, first of all, because they're a child of God, but then value them because God has called them to special ministries in, in the church. You know, many times after a person is ordained, they're called reverent. You know, y'all, you've heard that, reverent. Uh, reverent is an official title for an ordained minister. It's an old, early, old English word which literally means to revere. In other words, it literally means that the minister is someone who should be and is worthy of respect. They're worthy of the respect of the congregation because of the life they live, the work they do, and the sacrifices they make to serve God. Congregation, another thing that you need to do for your minister, and, and I wanna encourage you to do this for Mike, is to encourage them encourage them you know all the guys that are ministers in your church they're human beings just like you are they need a little encouragement every now and then you know send them some cards on their birthday can you believe not cards i said that but send them a card on their birthday or anniversary and uh you know um, when they're having a rough time or you think they're having a rough time send them a word of encouragement to uh, to help them to encourage them but uh, be an encouragement to your ministers. Uh, the scripture says that you are to hold up your ministers. Uh, that means to pray for them. Over in 2 Corinthians 1.11, Paul commends the Christians because he says they were helping him by their prayers. They were helping him by their prayers. And the Greek word that Paul used there for helping was a picture of a group of people gathering around a heavy load and all of them picking up that load together where one person couldn't pick the load up by themselves. So congregation, you are, can be a help to your ministers by praying for them and by helping by your prayers for them and your prayers for their family and their children. It can be like helping picking up a load for, for, to help them be better ministers for you. Another thing that you need to do as a congregation is to protect the ministry of your ministers. Uh, in the scripture that I read there from uh, Timothy, there was some warning there to the congregation. One of the warnings was to be slow to make accusations when you do not have all the information. Be slow to make accusations when you don't have all the information. 
I uh, was working with the church a few years ago. A deacon came to me and said, oh, we've got to fire our preacher. I said, what? You know, he said, well, he, uh, he's going to miss a Sunday morning because he's going to the final four of the uh, basketball, college basketball final four. Well, thank goodness the preacher had talked to me and he'd come to me because he was so excited. Yeah, he told me, he said, you know, they've got a process that you have to enter a lottery. You pay your money, you enter a lottery. If you win the lottery, if you're one of the lucky people, you're lucky enough to be able to buy a ticket to go. And he had entered that lottery for multiple years. And he had finally gotten his name in the list to be able to go. And he was taking a day off, you know, that he had had. Uh, but this deacon was saying, well, we're going to have to fire him. He's going to be in a basketball game on Sunday. So I explained. I said, well, uh, Brother Deacon, you don't have all the information. You know, this is a dream come true for your pastor. You know, this is something he's worked for for years. You know, he deserves a day off. So let me encourage you, be slow to make any accusations when you don't have all the information. Another thing is, is if you have any issues with him, Go to him and discuss them one-on-one. -on -one. Go to him and discuss them one-on-one. -on -one. And then if, you, if someone else is criticizing the pastor or a minister, go with them to talk to the minister. And then the last one there is don't be a part of any gossip or misinformation about your ministers. Because goodness knows the devil is attacking the church enough without us in the church giving the devil fuel to attack the church even more. So let me encourage you, do your best to protect your ministers. And the last point here I'd like to encourage you as a congregation is hear him out. Whenever your ministers are teaching and preaching, listen to them enthusiastically because they are trying to present what God, they feel that God wants him to share with you things that will help you grow in Christ, things that God has spoken to your ministers to let them share with you that this can be a stronger and better church and that each one of you can be stronger and better Christians. So let me just end here by just sharing a few little simple thoughts. Uh, you should help the minister, not hinder the minister. You should honor the minister, not humiliate the minister. You should hug the minister, not hurt the minister. You should hold him up, not hollow him out. And you should hear him and not hassle him. Congregation, this morning I'm going to ask you to do an affirmation with me of you making a commitment to Mike and his ministry here at the church. I'm going to read a statement. And then after I finish the statement, I would just like for you to say, we do. So can we all practice that? We do. Okay, so, so here we go. Church, do you promise to honor and respect the man of God, the man that God has called? We do. Do you promise to support Mike Harrelson in any ministry, be it here or anywhere else? Do you promise to protect Mike and his family? Do you promise to pray for Mike and his family? And we all said, amen. Okay. Thank you, Rusty. 
We come now to a very precious and holy time in the, during an ordination service where we lay the hands on Mike. God's use of laying on of hands symbolizes the giving of blessings, authority, and distinctiveness. It is a symbolic act designed to represent God himself setting a person apart for a holy use, whether for service, healing, protection, and guidance, or blessing. I invite Mike to come here. You might want to bring a chair with you. Neil, here behind me. It's up to you. In ordination council, I'm going to invite you in just a moment to form a line on this side of the stage and Come and lay your hands upon Mike and whisper a prayer, a blessing over him. And then we will form a circle around him and have our ordination prayer. So, Richard, would you please lead off?
and ask Rose to come and join us here on the stage. As she comes, men, I'm going to ask you to form a circle, some here on the stage and then others that just stay on the floor that need to. Let's form a circle around Mike and Rose and join hands together. And keeping this in the family, the Harrelson family, uh, Mike has chosen his brother Tim to come and proclaim the Water Nation prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being holy, powerful, trustworthy, and love. Thank you that in your holiness and in your power, you have not hurt us. You do not harm us. You do not act selfishly. But instead, you humble yourself and you act for us, for your people. You are trustworthy, Lord. There is no lie that has ever come forward from your mouth. There is nothing that you did to ever deceive us or lead us astray. You do not lead us into temptation, but you deliver us from all evil. And Lord, you are love incarnate. And so, Father, we know that your gift of Mike into the ministry, into this church, is one that is trustworthy, sincere, and not tainted by any deceit or lack of love, but it is a gift of love and goodness to these people. And so, Lord, I pray for your blessing on Mike, on Rose, on Levi and Isaac and Elias, that you would keep them secure in your grace, that you would keep them from temptation and evil, and that you would keep them near to the shepherd and far from the fence. Who needs the fence when you have a gracious and loving shepherd that wants to love and care for you? So Lord, I pray that you keep them close to you, and I pray that you would bless through them, bless them in the ministry that you have called them to. You have shaped him and molded him through trials and gauntlets of pain and not for waste, but for your glory in and through him. And so, Lord, I pray that through him you would affect the lives of the children of this church. Open up the children's eyes to see the wonders of your glory through Mike. Open up the hearts of the families, the mothers and fathers and siblings and grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins and so forth of this church family and of the families of this church family through the work and service and life and sacrifice that Mike is doing. Pray that you would show families sacrificial love and care and grace 
that you have displayed to us in your word through Mike. I pray for fruit of ministry through Mike to this church family and to the surrounding world that those who Mike will never ever know but through perhaps something that he has said or done or ministered in this, fam- in this church family, that it would be done through them to their families, to their co-workers, to their bosses, to strangers, to those who they will disciple in the future. Lord, I pray that you would bless Mike in such a way that he would bring you such glory and honor that when we are called to you and we know you will say this because you have redeemed him in Christ but when we are called to you and he is called to you you will look at him in the eyes and through Christ you will say well done my good and faithful servant enter into my rest and so Lord we pray your blessing Lord please bless him and keep him and make your face shine upon him. Lift up your countenance toward him and give him peace. In Jesus' name, we ask these blessings for your glory, for your church, and for those who are not yet your church, but will be. Amen. Amen. Michael Harrison, it gives me great pleasure of pastor of the Sunset Hills Baptist Church to pronounce you for the very first time, Reverend Michael Harrison, minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you, Lynn. <laughs> we want, Rose and I just want to say thank you to Sunset Hills Baptist Church for your affirmation uh, of, of seeing that call. Um, we want to say thank you to uh, Rusty for being here today and Becky, uh, Deacons, Ordination Council, uh, Pastor Steve, thank you for, and Pastor Kelly for showing me what it, uh, learning so much um, about how to minister to people. Uh, when Rusty said we have a good staff, um, we do. We do. And thank you to my father and my mother for your shadow of the grace that you've shown us. And that's a shadow of the grace that he has shown us in your lives and in your love to your family. Um, thank you, Sunset Hills Baptist Church. I'm going to ask all of Mike's family to stand, please. Would you please stand? Thank you so much for being here on this special day. For him and supporting him, not only here, then this day but throughout his life, okay? 
But I do think that maybe you should have shown him how to tape a doorknob so that it's <laughs> painted correctly. The only thing you missed. <laughs> I was actually think. sleeping on that with that. I'll that show day. you pictures of what I'm talking about sometime. <laughs> yeah. You may be seated, thanks. Rusty is gonna come and he's gonna have a presentation from the association. And while he's coming up, I wanna say thank you for loving my wife and my kids. Um, there are many things, like Pastor Steve was saying, that I don't know how to do, and this is how I learned to do them right here at home. So I couldn't do it without her. She's awesome. Well, let me, let me say, I've already given him the presentation. I gave it to him before church, but I gave him a book on how to be a great dad. I gave, gave him a book on how to love his wife, and I gave him the Bible. I figured those are three great books that would be very helpful yes. as a minister. And I was honored to give you those on behalf of the association. And uh, don't let her see the one about how to love your wife because we want her to think you thought of all those great yeah, ideas. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, so uh, thank you, Steve. Thanks, Rusty. And on behalf of our church, we would like to present you with this ordination Bible that you can take that word. I know you already have several different copies of it but this one will become special to you that you received on this day that these men of the ordination council of this church affirmed your ministry may you carry that throughout your whole entire ministry now you can't go anyplace else so it's all going to be done here so you know just make use of it here at sunset hills church would you again express your appreciation to mike and rose Having done the business of ordination and uh, accomplishing what we did in this special called business meeting, is there a motion that we adjourn? Motion. Is there a second? All in favor say amen. 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 I think we have maybe one announcement. Are you going to come back up and do it? Yep. Okay. See, we don't, let you, we don't let you sleep around here. Go to work. Gotcha. So uh, we want to make an announcement about this summer, July 31st. Mark your calendars right now. Every summer we try to do something uh, that is uh, family-oriented, that welcomes in our families, and that gives us an opportunity to, to love each other and just to catch up. At the end of our summer on July 31st, that's the Sunday before school starts, we are going to have a super saturated Sunday. Uh, we are going to have the fire truck out here. We're going to have water slides. Um, there might be some dunking going on. I don't know. Um, but it's going to be a fun day, so mark your calendars for that day. There'll be more details as we get closer to that date. But a great opportunity for all of us to come together before school starts and lift each other up. So we hope you'll join us your there. Your hair is going to get wet that day. My hair is going to get wet that day, yeah. This is a pen that I turned that I'm giving to you. It's a pen that everyone signed their names. God bless you. Would you please stand? Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you for your love and mercy, for your call, not only to those who are ordained to the gospel ministry, to each one of us, to be a light in our communities, to be little Christ beings in a world that is so dark that it needs us, needs Jesus, now more than ever. So help us, Father, be what we're to be as a church. In Christ's name I pray, amen.
Praise God from whom all blessings live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of our pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us. And he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.